0: Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production.
1: Man, we got a special guest today. We want to explore the new college NIL rules and how student-athletes are navigating this. And to talk about this is one of the quarterbacks with the UCLA Bruins... Uh, He threw over, man, this is incredible, 11,000 yards, 123 touchdowns in his high school career. Come on, man. 11,000 yards, 123 touchdowns in his high school career. And was named the Gatorade Texas State Player of the Year, Ford Built Tough Player of the Year. He completed his university degree, get this, A.G., in two years. Come on, man, two years. Mm. I'm still working on mine. No, I'm kidding. I got my degree, <laughs> but it took me more than two years. And while playing football, he did this, and now he's working on his master's degree at UCLA while continuing to play. He's already signed an NIL with brands like Degree, Shell, Boost Mobile, Discord, and others. Today, we like to welcome a unique person to the Hoop Dreams podcast as he share his journey with us. I'm Will Gates. That's my dog. Arthur A.G. We have none other than the one and only Chase Griffin. C.G. Welcome to the show, man. We're so glad to have you on the show, yes, man. Yes. It's a special today. Yes. We, we repping that number. We repping that number, 11. We repping that yeah, number, 11. 11. <laughs> that's, that's right. Absolutely. 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 Man, let's just jump right into it, Chase. Uh, our podcast is a little bit different. We like to really know the origin stories of, man, how you got started. And, and, man, I was reading so much up on you that, man, your story is so fascinating. So uh, let's go back to your childhood. Take us back, man. Tell us a bit about the Chase Griffin origin story, where you grew up, what was your neighborhood like? Give us some details.
2: Right. right. So I was born, actually, down Wilshire. I live right off Wilshire now in Grand House. I was born down Wilshire. Uh, at UCLA, Santa Monica Hospital. Really? And when I was around three and a half, four, uh, my parents wanted to raise me somewhere mm. else. So my mother's from Princeton, New Jersey. That's too close. <laughs> and my father, is from my, my father's from Austin, Texas. So that's that ended up being where we moved. Uh, my father's sister and, and my cousins, who I'm close with, still. Uh, were already mm. there and grew up around I say five minute drive away okay. from my house. So I mean, I was really in Round Rock. I ended up going to high high school at Huddle, but I grew up in Round Rock. Uh, it was a nice neighborhood. It was suburban. Uh and I think growing up you, you learn how to operate in demographics that don't always match mm-hmm. who you are. He's saying that real he's saying that Isn't real that, nice, AJ <laughs> and in that, I think it's important that you remember who you are, and have a good sense of self. That way, you don't get lost mm. in the sauce. Um, as far as going up through middle school, high school, uh, and even young, I was always raised with heavy priority on academics and excellence and everything. Uh, even as a little three year old, I remember lessons here in LA where. Uh, my mother would take me to do violin, and I continued that all the way until high school, uh, where I could really focus on football. But uh, growing up, it was it was always violin, and then my first sport was soccer. Mm. And there's a trainer named David Den, who's one of the best soccer trainers in Austin. That's where I learned how to train. You know, I was five or six or seven, and I was balling every Saturday <laughs> at, at the week, hustling about five goals a game, literally. And that's where I learned how to compete, learned how to win, and uh, got used to being an excellent player and an excellent trainer. And those habits carried me throughout school. Uh, My mother is actually an English teacher. She helped me with a lot of my homework, especially growing up. And then my father, he comes from a long line of teachers where he doesn't teach, but uh, in the Jim Crow South, in Third World, Houston, which is where the Setons and Griffins originate from, uh, they were all principals, they were all teachers, and they were all people who chased higher education uh, in the Gen in the Crow South that didn't really make it easier, accessible for that. Uh, so I've always had a pride in who I am, not only personally, but uh, the people that I come from. And I think it's important, uh, especially for people of color who often don't have uh, an identity that's easily placed upon them that that's beneficial to mm-hmm. their life to find who they really are and, and have a sense of pride about that so i mean growing up i was blessed to have two great parents uh i'm the oldest of three i have one younger sister she's at stanford she's mm. killing it. oh wow and, uh, yeah she's a freshman there now and then i have a baby brother he's nine so wow. where he's eight Actually, so we'll see how he turns out, that he's gonna be the best one out of us because he has me and Rose.
3: So, the, so, so your sister <laughs> is the middle baby, is is the middle child, huh? Yeah, but she gonna be one. <laughs>
2: <thing.
3: laughs> That's what's up. Love so, it, so, so, y- so y'all grew up. I mean, your family's pretty close. Your brothers and sisters. I mean, y- y'all grew up tight knit family.
2: Definitely, absolutely, and, and uh, you know, I have my cousins there, but it was it was mostly immediate family. And, uh, it was always uh, priorities, you know, my faith. That, that's really what everything's predicated on my belief in God. And, and, and that really holds me through everything. And then right under that is my family, academics, and then football and whatever else uh, there is to accomplish.
1: And you talked a little bit about how soccer was your first love. I just got to ask, right. you still, you still kick it a little bit today, or you just left soccer right. so, alone?
2: Freshman year, I played a little bit with the intramural squads, but but uh, I mean it was tough, especially during COVID, and then I haven't really gotten back to it. But uh, soccer is always fun.
3: How did you make that transition like from it. playing soccer to football? Was it introduced to you? Was your your mom and dad put you in some it little was, leagues? It was
2: more like right, yeah. Um, so growing up, I played soccer, but on those Sundays, I loved watching football. Mm. You know, I had always asked, hey, can I play football? Can I play football? And the mother was like, you're not playing that until you're bigger. Until I I was 10. So that's when I started playing. I started playing fifth grade. And after that, it's hard to do both, especially because I was starting to play academy and select and and really going hard with the training in soccer. And you can't do that in football. Mm -hmm. So after that first season of football, it went well. Uh, I fell in love with playing, especially being a quarterback. And I'm like, this is this is it for me. Mm. This is the sport. So that was it, uh, and I, I was
1: I was reading your story, man. First of all, again, you got a fascinating story, and and I know this might be a difficult question I'm getting ready to ask you because you got so many, and I know you can always say mom and dad, but the early influence in your life, your mentors in your life, can you can you just tell us who they were and how did they really help you come along?
2: Right. Uh, I mean, I'd say, obviously, my mother and father. But as far as people outside blood, I'd say um, Trent Bilfer, who's the head coach of Elite 11, and primarily George Whitfield, who I almost consider family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I say that because in my first training session with George Whitfield, I was probably around 11 or 12. I had sent him my my Mighty might Pop Warner highlight tape and he was like, yeah, come on out. So we, we, we went out there. The reason why we ended up uh, going out there was my father and I were watching the special on Cam mm. Newton. And, mm. and it was a special in his draft process. And George trained Cam Newton during mm. his draft process. But the thing that really made it official to us, we didn't know George. We just knew Cam. We knew uh, Warren Moon. Like we the knew, legend. Warren, Warren Moon, that's why they're at the quarterback position. We saw as soon as Warren Moon was on the special given the cosign, we were like, oh, yeah, George must be official. We better go see And so we went out there. And uh, after that first training session, he said, You want to go to Elite 11, which is probably the best high school uh, college quarterback camp, especially at that wow. time. Uh, and, and I with it there. And went there. Uh, Coach Whitfield had me film, film a little video requesting to go and Coach Jeff let me come out. And those two uh, have always been extreme positive and their support and uh, the wealth of knowledge and access they allowed me to have at a young mm-hmm. age, uh, I think really shaped a lot of where I'm at today on the
3: football side. So tell us how that camp, how, when you got there, like how did that date?
0: Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: Go, was you excited? Right. Was you like anxious to, to show? Oh, I was, I, was, I was so excited. So I wasn't even really competing, but the way I did everything was always 100%. So it probably made. I was, I was like 11 or 12. I was a little right. kid out there. The rest of these guys, they were, they were high schoolers. So it was guys going into their senior year, competing at the camp. Guys like Jared, Goff, like it, mm-hmm. it was, it was just straight killers there. Yeah, like if you look, probably most of the league has been through that elite eleven uh, process, whether it be regionals or finals. But they had, they had some real dudes there, and seeing how they competed. Not only that, but also. I wasn't afraid at all. I was 11 or 12. I was, you know, stealing reps right. where I could, where I wasn't, probably wasn't supposed to. So it, it was something where you just got comfortable being amongst the best and feeling like I'm not out mm-hmm. of place. And to be able to have that feeling at 11 or 12, once you get to that age, once you get to college, like, i already been here before. This is what I've been doing my whole life. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And you can just compete free and be
3: yourself. 90. Hey, Will, I don't know about you, 90. 11 and 12, I was a little scrawny something, bro. Like, I'm, I'm wondering, like, <laughs> right. what, what your body looking like. Was you, like, a an average 11 and yeah, 12? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I was a little, 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 little. chubby kid. <laughs> 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 yeah. I,
2: start, I started out skinny. I started out skinny, and then around, like, 10, 11, 12, got, got chubby, and I slimmed out throughout really? high school. Oh, man. Yeah. That's so crazy, man. And I'm also
1: just trying to think, man, did you know you was amongst legends at the time, though? I'm just saying, you know, 10 right. and 11.
2: Right. Did you right. know
1: where you were at and what was happening?
2: Right. Well, I think the coolest part is I'm not even sure if the kids mm. knew where they were going to be. Because, you know, they're younger than I am now. When I think they're like, they're kids right. to me now. Uh, so so I look back I'm like, man, they're 16, 17. They probably don't even know. I mean, they definitely have an idea. They've got their colleges set up, but they don't know they're going to be playing for a Super Bowl or right. competing on that type of level in in five to six years. Wow. That's why it's such a cool experience to see. Now, you know, in football,
3: they try to, you know, you know, as as the individual, you know, you say – well, I want want to play this position. Was there any other position
2: that you started out playing or was it always quarterback? So growing up, my favorite player, when I was watching the highlights on Sundays, was LaDainian Thomas. Oh. So at first, I wanted to be a running back. And I played flag football. Before I could play tackle, I played flag football. In my first two, three years playing flag football, I was running back and I was a beast because I was faster than all the kids because... I played soccer, and that was my stuff. Like, agility and speed was was my game. That's what I trained on. Uh, but before playing football, I mean, before playing tackle, my father was like, I don't want you taking all these <laughs> hits that a running back has to take. It's a tough life. And, and so he's a and, – and he also knew my aptitude. Like, I, I've always been a good test taker. I've always been sure of myself. I've always been someone who moved with conviction. Even as a little kid, I've been the same for <laughs> a long time. And, uh, and I think he saw that and recognized that that would be good at the quarterback position. Wow. And a lot of those characteristics that I had where you know, I'm always even killed, never too high, never mm-hmm. too low, uh, are some of the things that make me successful, in, especially in games where, uh, it's a, as a performer, I'm someone who performs with no mind. I just don't even think. I just mm. do. You know, it worked out pretty well, so. When, when did you know? Like,
1: we often ask this question, you know, right. how did you know you were good? At what point did you know, I'm right. a bad boy? Right. When did you right. know?
2: Right. I always think I knew I was a good player relative to a lot of the people around me. Um, but I'd say my, my signature moment where I showed to everyone, including myself, and especially my family, what I was about was... My sophomore year, my first varsity game. Uh, I remember that the time leading up to that was tumultuous. Like my freshman year, I was the first kid. I mean, I was the, it was my first year in the district. I had transferred to Hutto. Uh, they had a really good engineering program and a great head coach. Mm. That's why I went. And uh, I really liked the head coach and he believed in me. Um, but that first year, I was a new kid in the district. Uh, they had their quarterbacks that they liked, even the receivers, and so it was a it was a battle every day where, you know, some of the coaches who who have been in huddle their entire life, they know the other quarterbacks pops, they know they they know this kid, they coached coach the mm-hmm. pop corner, so they they try him out for a couple drives, and they try me out for a couple drives, and I was always excited. We ended up, I started, we we went off every game. And uh, that cohort of receivers ended up, you know, falling in line just because they realized, you know, as a receiver, you want the best possible quarterback there to get you to rock. And that's how I played. Um, So my my freshman year, we went 10-0. We we beat a couple of really good teams, too. Uh, But that was freshman ball. We were playing other freshman teams. Uh, Varsity, uh, that first game, well, leading up to varsity, we had spring ball. So I was doing great off spring and then the spring game, I had three picks. I was terrible. And uh so then that whole summer is like, oh my goodness, you gotta rework it all again, because then you got the older brothers of these receivers in my class telling them, no, no, go with the stuff stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it ended up working out where I started that first game and from that game on really went off that first game i had six touchdowns and 400 yards <laughs> and i knew i was good i was working so hard that summer just was because i wasn't happy about how spring right. ended but to to actually see it in fruition it, it was great for me and then to everyone else it basically just stamped like yeah, this is our guy as long as he's at this high school he's gonna be playing I bet them I bet
3: whoever caught them passes, that them six touchdowns, I know them receivers, I know they was like, we won, want, we won, want, we wanna roll with him oh, yeah. every game now, coach. That
2: we gotta go right, with him. That's that's right. Right. And, absolutely. Yeah, and that's always been uh some, especially in my football career, something that's been present. Like, it's never really about the playing. When I'm on the field, I take care of it. Like I'm on the field. It's going to happen well. Everything is going to go well. It's just about getting mm-hmm. to that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just about getting to that field. Because mm-hmm. as soon as I'm on the field, it's just the way I play.
3: It's going to work. So let me ask you this, Chase. From, from throwing those three interceptions, you say you threw three picks, and then coming back, you know, starting as, as a sophomore because you didn't like the way that spring went, what was the mental yeah. aspect that you had, like, I mean, I, I'm I'm thinking like, you know, some a young kid would be like, damn, I threw three picks, like is, right. you know, you would be taking that into the to your, you know, next game and be thinking right. about it. What was it? You just like, oh, I threw those. I knew I knew what I did wrong. Right. Boom, I'm gonna adjust. And and was it that quick or right. was you like?
2: I think uh, now it would be easier for me to do that, but I haven't, I hadn't proven myself. Wow, that. you know, I, I was playing. I played well as a freshman, but we were playing other freshman teams. And then Texas high school football, large school. Oh, nothing team, else. Like, and I lived oh. in one of those one horse teams. Like, y'all probably know it's for Chicago basketball, but like, it, in in Hutto and in towns like that, where I grew up in the suburbs, but Hutto is really, it's suburban, but it's really mm. country. And uh, it was one of those towns like Friday Night Lights where they shut everything down and the whole town comes out and supports. Wow. And you'll have seven or eight thousand filling up the stands, but another five hundred standing around the track watching. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and so, to be able to to be able to have the opportunity to go out there and prove myself, I think really solidified it to myself. Because, of course, especially as a fifteen year old who who doesn't have you know the prototype body type, I was probably like five foot four, five foot five. I wasn't rocked up or anything. Right. I was just, you know, a kid out there who could the ball. And uh, to to have the performance I did at the end of spring, it was definitely easy for the thought to yeah. Like, am I as good as the coach believes in me? It, am I even going to start? Like, is it going to go the way that I thought it was going to go based off of mm-hmm. freshman year? And so I think what kept me stable was, the belief in the work and and primarily my faith that everything's
1: going to work out the way it was supposed to go. Man, that's, that's, that's so encouraging to hear, man. I think a lot of our, particularly our young viewers, man, need to hear that because they struggle, you know, when, when, you know, they have a misstep or, you know, they, 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 they have a setback. They don't know how to get back on track, especially if they don't have the right people in your corner. What, What was your family saying to you during that time?
0: Hey there.
2: Right. Uh, I mean, my family, especially, uh, I mean, both my parents, but my mother always expresses it in wavering positive mm. support. And I know my father has the same, but, you know, fathers are a little bit different in how they yep. express that. Uh, but I know that my, my father knew that I was a good player, and I don't think anyone believes in me like he does, which is huge. Like, it, it, it you can never feel low and to be able to have something bigger than my sport to go to, uh, is huge. Yeah. I think the issue that kids face at every level, but especially college when they're away from their families is as soon as your sport becomes the biggest thing mm-hmm. in your life, where you make it seem like that in your perspective, then as soon as your sport doesn't go right, which it won't most yep. of the time, like there's going to be times it yep. goes, right? but Most people don't play their freshman year. Most people don't play their their freshman year. And some people never play. That doesn't mean the rest of your life isn't a huge win. Mm -hmm. There's kids right now here at UCLA who are probably miserable because they don't have the perspective to see that they're going to UCLA. They're in LA right now living for (laughs) free, getting a college degree for free. And there's kids like that all over the country. And I think it's important that people in these spaces help advocate to these student athletes to see their wins built mm. on them. Because if you don't see the wins, it's going to be miserable. It's just going to feel like, well, right.
3: Yeah. I remember that's what, that's what, that's yes. what you haven't seen the movie yet, but that's what Will said when he was in high school, yeah. <laughs> he was like, right. shit, it started out fun.
1: What'd you say, Will? Like it right. started
3: out fun. And then you said, shit, it seemed yeah. like a damn job.
1: Yeah, then it, mm-hmm. it, it can turn on you at any moment. It right. can be an injury. You know, it, right. it, can, it can be, you know, lack of confidence. It can, right. it can be you just can't handle hard coaching. You know, it can be a multitude right. of things,
2: and man. Then, and then it transitions from that to now you don't want to go to school. Mm-hmm. Now you, mm. know, you know, go to your day job. Now you don't want to be a good son, be a good brother at home. And then your entire life comes crashing down because of something that happened in the game.
1: Yeah. Where did you get that from? Because, I mean, man, again, you're 21. You got such a perspective on mm-hmm. life and where to put the game and where to put your personal life and blend that. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, that is one of my questions. How, how did yeah. you blend um, the game and school yeah. to the point that you have the thought process that you have?
2: Right. Well, I think that really comes from my faith. And... Uh, faith is definitely something where you believe in the works of god in your life Mm -hmm. on earth but it's also the belief that the race is already finished Mm -hmm. the race is already won i already know my name is in the book of life everywhere here i'm just playing with the house's money Mm -hmm. and so i look at everything as an opportunity to be excellent in it whether it be this interview like I'm talking to myself before, like, man, I'm about to rock mm-hmm. this. Like, They're they not going to understand how, how hard I'm going to be coming on this. Like, I'm going to yeah. rock this. But, or when I go to class, like, I'm going to participate the most and I'm going to bring the best discussions. Or on the football field, I'm going to be the best player that anyone's watching today. And when, when you have that outlook on life where you look at everything as what, the best that it right. could be, you look at everything as impossible Mm -hmm. to win. You operate like that. Uh, Even in times where there's so-called failures, uh, those are just opportunities, there's gonna be another one. At the end of the day, uh, I haven't lost what makes me me, and I haven't lost the overall Mm -hmm. prize. Deep,
1: deep. That is, that is. (laughs) And he's only 21. Only 21. Come on, somebody. Got a perspective on faith. The game, family, school, man—he—he—he's he's, betting. Can I get an amen, Pastor? I know, right? He got a quadruple <laughs> double going right now, man. Amen, amen, amen. I mean, this is—I mean, I'm so—I'm so impressed with man everything that you accomplished up to this point. Uh, but I want to jump into this, man, because listen, I live in Texas now. I understand. Okay. Texas football. I understand it from the Pee Wee on up. I still, I see little kids out there right now when I'm driving down the street with helmets on, with the gear on, going through drills and it's like 110 outside, you know, what was your high school teams like? And and of course you told us about the draws you were getting, but man, and I know where Round Rock is at. I mean, I live in San Antonio, so I know where you at. And, and, And so what, what was that like? Because I mean, truly people don't understand, but in Texas, football is like Friday night lights. I mean, that's
2: yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, and I transitioned this to, to NIL now, where, where people are saying, I've been good in NIL. How, how do you seem like you've done this before? Or, or where did you get the experience to be able to work with mm-hmm. brands? And uh, Hutto has been a place where I was the face of the town as long as I was there. Mm-hmm. And when you the best player on the best team in your area, in the state, um, you, you have great practice and perspective on what it's like to represent something more than yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've always done that with my family. I felt like that. But to actually have an entire town that gathers around you and has their emotions and ups and downs based off your their mm-hmm. performance that night. You get used to do it where I played in front of them probably around 30, 35 times. And it's a great feeling, but it's also something that you have to get used to and be prepared to perform under those circumstances at yeah. higher levels. So when people are asking me, you know, when you played Oregon or Arizona, were you nervous? I hadn't played football in two years. I'm like, yeah, I've, I've always played in front of crowds. I've always played in front of eyes. That doesn't affect me. At the end of the day, it's the same, same football field. It's the same football, and it's the same routes. It's all fun.
3: That's crazy because, uh, hey, the way the way you just said that, that's how I played in in high school and in college. Like, I didn't care who we was playing against. Like, King the King team, we beat, we beat, they had two seven-footers, Chase. Like, we wasn't even, <laughs> they, they had only lost one game. But everybody in the city thought, like, we supposed to have been scared of them. Like, I'm like, so what? Like, so what? They ranked number one in the country and, and we got to play them in a playoff game. Like, you know, it was just like, it's just a regular game. so um, Right, they got to play. yeah <laughs> that's, that's how my whole <laughs> team felt. Like, we wasn't scared of nothing. Like, it's just a game. Right.
1: But I like what you said, though, Chase. You said that you was prepared for the for the moment. I think sometimes that be the missing, the missing key. I think sometimes people, and we say this all the time, they don't want to put in the work. But I think what a lot of people miss is, man, when you were coming up, you put in the work. I mean, you were you were at the camps, yeah. you were working with quarterback coaches and doing the things, man. Talk a little bit about putting in the work so that people don't get it confused. Right. It's more than just, right. hey, you having confidence. You got to put some work in, too. Yep.
2: Right. No, it, it was so much work. And, and in the summers, it would be 100 balls a day where I'd go out back on the net with my father and we'd throw. Or he'd bring out the speedometer to see how much mm. velocity i am mm. Uh Or I would, I would go running with my teammates every single morning or throwing with your teammates. Like, it's important to get work by yourself, but in order to be a great team, mm-hmm. you got to work together. Uh, especially at the quarterback, if there's anything in passing, you're relying on people up front to block, and you're relying on the playmakers to get open and catch the mm-hmm. ball and you deliver. And so, being able to build that with my cohort of guys uh, and, and teammates built trust in the games and it made everything seem seamless because, like, we went into every game knowing that we couldn't be stopped no matter what they brought and when you're able to know that because of your preparation you can just go out there and play the game of football and have fun with it. now that when people don't do that that's when they messed up because they pray for the opportunity to prepare for it it's like god can get you there but you gotta have a little up about yourself and know that you have something to factor into the yeah, equation. Absolutely,
3: absolutely. Hey, Will, let me let me tell Chase this, man. I got so much respect, and I think for the quarterback position because f- football was my first love too. I, I wanted to be a wide receiver, and, yeah. and I and I thought I was, I thought I was a, a, a decent wide receiver, spectacular to my to my knowledge when I was like. Eighth grade, for real. I mean, I, I would, how, how do you say, and it? it's part of my yeah. friends, I would lay the fuck out for a pass like this, Chase. Right. So I got so much respect right. for the quarterback position because you guys. If you went on
2: a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just
3: a really long drive.
2: Bada At participating McDonald's have to
3: make a, des- a split decision in one, two, got to be gone. Two seconds. And, yeah. and and you you rarely get three seconds if you got a good offensive line. Yeah. But in one, two seconds, right. you got to go through your progressions and your reads and get that thing out on time. Yeah. Right. That's no pressure. Right. I, mean, that's, yeah, I mean, it seems like that's no pressure for you neither. Like, oh, shit, okay. Blue yeah. 23, hey, hey. Okay, I know where I'm going with this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the thing is, the, the more you think, it's ironic. The more you think and the more you're looking, yep. the worse you're going to mm-hmm. You have to go into every play with a little plan in your mind. And then once the ball snap, you got to be able to see patterns <gasps> immediately. Like, as soon as you see oh, the corner sitting, He's cutting, it's probably covered too. So I can have my whole shot. Or if he's dropping, right, like, then, I'm off that and going to other mm. side of the field now. And you have to be able to do that and know mm-hmm. that each play, uh, have a program in your head that you can go through. Otherwise, you really are just going to be searching. Wow. It's not fun. You, you're just going to be in panic mode the whole game. Yeah.
1: You know, it's funny you say that because I should tell my boys that all the time when they just coming up playing ball, I should say, listen, man, you got to have at least five, six moves out of one move. You, you got to yeah. be able to adjust instantly. And it can't yeah. be something that just happens. You, you got to already see that thing. And A.G. is right, yeah. man. The quarterback, I mean, I can only imagine oh. when you got these, especially now you, you're playing on the collegiate level, Shit. these 450-pound <laughs> right. guys, Yeah. You no, know, um, you
2: no, know, yeah. coming at see, you. See, that's another thing about Another thing about playing in Texas is I was playing those guys. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Like, like already. Like we had we had guys at, at a school that we played called Maynard. They always have dogs. I think they just had to do the TCU. We have a guy. We had a guy actually at Huddle, who's at TCU now. They had a guy at TCU at Florida. A dude went to Tech. Like they just had straight dogs too. You know, I had six tubs on them. <laughs> but 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 they they were getting back. there. Um, and when you're used to that, you know, I think it's a huge advantage. But going to your point about having five or six moves and knowing what to do in each play, uh, there's that end, but on the other end, they have to worry about mm-hmm. the same things. So they can't do whatever they want. It's it's a finite amount of things you can expect mm-hmm. from them too. And that's the positive, where, where you're like, yeah, I know, it's, it, I gotta react off of them, but they have right. to react off of me too. And there's only, so many things that they can do. Where, when you know, like if you know what you know, mm-hmm. if you know the patterns. Uh, then, it ain't easy. He got it, A.G.
1: Yeah. He got it. Which, by the way, man, just a side note, he ain't lying too, A.G. <laughs> I'm telling you, the 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 junior highs weight programs are ridiculous, man. <laughs> they got them in them. I mean, man, there's some seven eighth graders out there, man, lifting 250 pounds, man. This this junior high. It's, it's, it, this junior high, yeah, James, six, seven, eighth graders, man, out here looking mm-hmm. like you know, look, bitty men with mustaches and goatees. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> hey, my, hey, Will, look, I don't know if you, and,
3: you and, and and Chase, you can chime in on this too. The only, the only uh, window I've had into uh, real Texas football was the documentary that they did on Carter High School. Did you see that? Yeah. I love, I love that film.
2: I mean, that, that's really how it is. What? The the, the whole town now it's support is craziness all over the team. Like it, it's wild. Dude. Cause it's, it's Texas personified. Like Texas is already is awesome. Uh-huh. It's grand, but it's also wild. you have all that put in the one. Man, team they had they had Texas about
3: 13 football. dudes all oh. Ready to go to D one off of that Carter off of that Carter uh, high school football team. Yeah.
2: Thirteen major D ones. They're not in. They're not in the number. The there's probably around fifty teams like that in Texas. What? And, yes. And the, yeah. and, you know, I'm what? in Cali now, so everybody out here is like, "Man, Cali's the best." But the difference is, there's some really good teams out here in Cali, but they're all private schools, and those kids coming from two hours away going to school every morning. Texas, all those kids live together. Like yep. all those kids what? live in the same neighborhood. Yep. See schools. each other all the yep. time. It's not like yep. these. It's not like these private schools where they recruit kids from an hour and a half away. You know, the kids who go to Duncanville or the kids who go to South Oak Cliff live in South Oak Cliff. They live right there on Moon. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Chase, why don't you give our, our our listeners, man, tell them like when you play a rival school. How big that is.
2: Right. Oh, it's huge. Um, all week, kids who you would not expect to be talking about football would start talking about it. Like, I think I'm, mm, I got 10. And I got <laughs> two, and yeah, and yeah. Like, it's just stuff like that where and it is great because there's a sense of pride for the school. And when the team's winning, they really are able to take pride. And that goes back to what I was saying about repping your, repping your school and repping your town. Uh, uh, you get used to other people placing expectations on you and being able to deliver. Mm. And, and that's, that's about you add value to the place around you and the people around you. Wow.
1: Well, let's, let's jump into your recruiting, man, because now, I mean, you missed the everything, not just for your, your city, yeah. your community, but the state. What was that process like?
2: Right. So, I'm only about 5'10, probably now about a buck 85. And, and I'm a lot leaner now than I was in high school, but I didn't have a prototypical body type in high school. I was really just a baller. Um, yeah, but
3: you so had my, them damn
2: soccer feet. Yeah, I, I was always great in the pocket. <laughs> and, and the awareness was, awesome. I mean, as a player, I couldn't really be touched. Like, there, there weren't too many quarterbacks in, in the state, let alone the country that could go out every single night and play like I did. Wow. Uh, The stats show that um, as far as the recruiting side, wasn't the prototypical guy. Uh, You show up to these junior days and and the the coaches give you the eyeball test and they shake their hand and say, thank you for coming. Or you go to a camp where I would just kill it. I would have all-time performances at camps where I would go like 40 for 41 in, in competition drills and the one... Incompletion was a drop, right? It would just be days where if I was going up there, it was going to be a completion. Uh, where they where end with a little photo, handshake, thank you for coming. Wow. And, and that was really a, a tedious time, both with myself and my mm-hmm. father. And, and, and I know that it was hurting me, but I also know it was hurting my father because we were going and he was seeing how well I was mm-hmm. playing. And he was seeing how hard I worked, and was, it was just seeing every single time that I didn't get the offer like, man, is the dream in jeopardy? Mm. Is all this work gonna. And I, I, I could just see it, but I always had faith that I was gonna work out. And so the, my first offer actually mm-hmm. came uh, through Mike McDaniel, the, the new head coach at the Miami Dolphins. Okay. And it, it was actually uh, at a camp called Quarterback Collective, which is also a, a great uh, quarterback camp that that was primarily for high schoolers when I did it. But they had NFL coaches coming back doing the camp. Wow. So we had NFL community like McVay came and spoke to us uh, Kyle Shanahan was there, the LaFleur brothers were there. So, all these guys underneath the, the Shanahan coaching mm-hmm. tree came and basically ran the camp. Uh, Mike McDaniel was watching and they talked about who they could see going to the NFL from, from one, of, one of the groups yeah. that day. And somebody had said, Justin Fields. So, who, who's in the NFL? And me. Mm-hmm. Or the five nine kid. That's, that's what how they, they call. Say. That's, like, that's what they, know, ain't they even know. call you by your name. <laughs> oh, the five yeah, nine kid. Say, You're right, You're right. And so, and they're like, "Well, where does he have offers?" And everyone's like, "He doesn't have any offers." What? And I was coming off a of sophomore year. I was coming off a of sophomore year where I had three thousand yards. So I had a notable amount of yards. I had really good film, uh, but but no offers. You know? What did pops say? What What did pops so, think about that?
3: My boy got three thousand yards, yeah. but he ain't got no offers.
2: Yeah, I, I probably, I probably can't say how how he was feeling just because I would not be able to. Uh, right, right. But, <laughs> but, but, but you know how it was. But I mean, uh, so Mike McDaniel, he he had a pipeline to the coaches. at Yale, and he had the coaches. that Yale watch my film, and they offered me and. And that was huge because it, it's it's
0: everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. ba
2: Big to be able to, you know, have a group game goes. It's really a copycat league mm-hmm. where as soon as one school offers, other ones do. So after that, within the next uh, six to seven months, uh, I had a 4,000, I think I had like 4,200 passing yards that year, something, something that was amongst the, lead, or the uh, state leaders, and my film got way better. I, I made it jump athletically. Wow. And uh, well, I got most of the Ivy League to op- offer over the next seven months. And so I was established as someone who had offers, who had great stats, great film. Uh, and it made it easier for other schools to approach me. And then uh, I really always predicated, you know, academics over everything. And my father always wanted me to go to Harvard. And so I always liked Harvard. Okay. And uh, it, it was funny. I think they were, they were about to offer me. This is after my junior year going into my okay. senior year. That summer, uh, there was a... There was a camp at Harvard that I was going to go to. I think it was that either that Thursday or that mm-hmm. Friday where I'd been talking to the quarterback coach and offense coordinator, and I think they were going to offer, and I was probably going to commit. Chip Kelly texted me out of nowhere about a week before that saying, are you free next week to come out to L.A.? And throw?" I went out to UCLA on the Tuesday, killed the camp, they had one of my best performances. Mm. They offered I committed the spot. Wow. All those, all that like, fast. I will be
3: there. <laughs> it happened yeah. that fast from when Harvard.
2: <laughs> that fast. Yes.
3: It happened that
2: fast. That, I mean it just shows how how God works because I just think back and I think about how I was born down Wilshire and I'm like, I always loved LA. I used to come out here for vacation. I loved it. And I had always wanted to do that, but it just didn't seem like the thing that was going to happen. So I was like, man, let me go to Harvard. I'll run the Ivy League, get this degree right quick, and you know, then get rich quick. But UCLA hit me out of the boot, and that was actually uh, through another relationship, through Coach mm. Bill. I'm super grateful where it was a similar situation. He had a relationship with, uh, with Coach mm. Kelly and let him know about me. And they watched the film and wanted to get a closer look. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm still grateful to Coach. Uh, I'm very grateful to Coach Kelly for having conviction, and pulling that mm-hmm. trigger. And uh, I still think that the dividends that it will pay for the UCLA program and for uh, for for him and for myself are still not over. I Still have three years to play here, eligibility wise. And I know that uh, now. Now, how How do you prepared. how do you have
3: three years uh, left?
2: Right. So I grad. I'm class of nineteen for high school. Okay. So I graduated um, in two years. I graduated last summer, and then I'm in the master's program now. But I played. I played three seasons. But The second season didn't count. It didn't of count. Okay. So I played two of my five seasons. Technically. Wow.
1: Only up from here, baby. That's amazing. That's right. Three That's more right. years. So that was it. So it was just. It was just. I can't even say it was Harvard because once UCLA came in, how did how did mom and dad feel about that? Especially since you just said dad wants you to go to Harvard. Yeah.
2: Was right. dad like really son? Right. I mean, he. There's always grad school, and I do. <laughs> I do intend to go to go to go to business school uh, after I'm done with football, and I probably probably. Uh, I don't know, UCLA UCLA is great, but I also would like to apply to Stanford and Harvard for a business school eventually.
1: AG, he on a whole different plan, man. Dang. He's on a whole different plan. I love it, man. I I wish I had your brain when I was in college. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Oh, man. This is amazing. This is amazing. Well, listen here, Chase, man. We got this thing we call halftime. And okay. what we want to do is hit you with some quick hitters uh, sure. to throw at you, man. And let's, let's, let's get into it. So mm-hmm. you are in the state, literally, where the movie Friday Night Lights was inspired. Right. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the TV show, and how accurate
2: is it? It's very accurate. i would say, I'll say the, the aspects of it, with uh, some aspects are definitely over glorified. Mm-hmm. But as far as the, the buy-in and the amount of gravity that how the football team is doing has on the town around you mm-hmm. is definitely accurate. Mm. You, you going to hit a
3: wheel or me you want me to hit him? No, you got them. Okay. The three toughest stadiums you done played in during high school and the three toughest in university. Okay.
2: Hmm. So there is a stadium in, in Bryan. I actually all the games I played there, I played well, but it's the, the turf is super deep. Like you just feel like you're sinking in. What? So that, that's, that's one. Yeah. It's, it's like a contour pillow Um, or something. Yeah, exactly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He says (laughs) like it's sinking in the turf, Will. (laughs)
2: Exactly. No, so I always remembered that one. And then, uh, as far as environment Mm -hmm. wise, um, Cedar Park, which is a perennial power mm. in, in Texas, uh, they they got me my sophomore and junior. Year. We we beat them worse than they've ever been beaten my senior year, so I got the last laugh. But <laughs> that junior year we played there and it was just so loud, like crazy. You can't even hear the plays. It's crazy. It was, crazy. It, it was probably ten or twelve thousand feet. They have a really big stadium. That's up. It, it was so loud. High school, A.G. High school. I get. And, and the then twelfth, third, give me the third. One. Third, it wasn't tough for us, but it was tough for other people. Our at, at Hutto, our uh, student section used to get crazy. Like right? they would make it a point that you know kids would wait all, all week and be excited thinking about Friday going after and being. Wild. Wow. wow, that is crazy, insane.
1: Yeah. Now we just want to warm you up with those. No, well, I, really I, I, I gotta get to,
3: yeah, the get
2: college. to the college
1: though. Will, uh, oh, but hit yeah. him, hit him,
2: hit him. Yeah, so so number one loudest stadium I've ever been in is Utah. Utah's really, yeah, it, it's not that big, but it's a, a dome. It's very vertical, and you got all these people waving these flags that that are probably around like twenty foot poles. It, it looks crazy. Damn. Wow, uh, okay, talk. Oregon was crazy loud. Oregon, it was it was hard to hear. In okay, yeah. And then I uh, will say third loudest. The Rose Bowl got really loud against LSU. It got it got really loud, which is which is crazy because the Rose Bowl is known, even though it's huge, it's, it's open, open. Right. so the sound escapes it. But against LSU, it was getting loud. And then when we cranked on going into the fourth quarter, when we cranked on that uh, California love and the light show started, flashing, <laughs> and it was high. <laughs> what? That got to oh, be wow. some of the
3: dopest shit ever. Y'all, y'all, y'all yeah, pumping the for you, love. Yep, yeah. oh.
2: yeah. even, even the LSU boys were getting it.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew you was going to throw USC in there. Man, it, it
2: ain't nothing when SC does. <laughs> yeah. <history> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I hear you I feel
1: you on that one man I feel you on that, that one that it fell off man let me hit you with this well we'll see so, this year we're, right? trying,
2: we're trying let
1: well, me hit we're you with trying. this man since you are a quarterback and you can even name yourself top five quarterbacks
2: of all time I think number one at this point you gotta go Brady okay definitely number two Montana Joe Montana. Okay. Number three, not yet, but eventually it's going to be Pat Mahomes. Mm. And he might catch all of them. Number four, Aaron Rodgers. Hey, mm, Rod. And then my number five, my number five is going to catch a lot of people by surprise, but when it's all said and done, I think he gets a couple Super Bowl rings and that's Lamar Jackson. Really? Wow, okay. Yeah, his- when you just study the stats, like his efficiency is great. As soon as they get some receivers, Baltimore is gonna be unstoppable.
3: I'm liking all five of those. I'm liking all five of them picks. Yeah,
2: yeah. Chase, give yeah. me your three favorite sneakers the
3: way around and your favorite game cleats.
2: Yeah, so I got. Yeah, I
3: right here. Oh, he got them. He got them on
2: hand. These these 11s are actually special to me because I used to wear them. I used to run the field every uh, pre-game, and I would run the field at mm-hmm. these in my UCLA sweats. My, my in got the UCLA gold
3: um, on there, the patent level.
2: Yeah. Now I got these cobies, music clean.
4: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I
3: ain't never seen them no coys. What the hell? No, it is them like a gold
1: color too? Yeah, Special, yeah. Wow. <laughs> They're special yeah. there. They're special
2: there. Yeah. And then my favorite ones right now, I don't know. I know they get a lot of connotation because of the memes. Ah, like Black Air Force, Black Air Force Ones, baby. I
3: love those. And <laughs> the cookies. The yes, I yes, love them, yes. yeah,
2: I like these 12s. Yeah, we got these 12s. Okay. Oh, okay. see. Yeah, so that's really what I've been rocking right now. I need to get some more drawings. I think when I first got here, I was on the. Uh, I was more oh, on the ones. I got these right here. These are classic. Okay. Some classic Not- But yeah, that, that's really what I wear. Those for. And then as far as cleats, mm-hmm. I wish we could switch it up yeah. more. And, and maybe in the future we're allowed to. But right now, this is what we wear. So the cleats are, the cleats are clean. Oh, this is okay. This pill, outfit, but they're gold right here. But yeah, the cleats are clean. It's
1: dope. AG, I think he might be the first on podcast history mm-hmm. to actually have the physical evidence <laughs> of, of what he <laughs> wears. This is the first time I think this is <laughs> of the sneakers. This is the first time I've ever seen the actual sneakers, man. I love it. <laughs> and we didn't <and> <laughs> have a sneaker designer on the show. Right.
2: <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. <laughs> Boy, that's real there, man. That's real there. All right, man. This is going to be tough for you. Your top favorite. Football movies. Mm.
2: I mean, I think number one is Remember the Titans. I knew you was going <laughs> to get it. Yeah, I mean, because the story is clean, but you also got Denzel, who's one of my favorite actors. Like, it, it doesn't really get much better right. than that. I, I'd say everything else really falls short. Yeah. I also like, uh hey, what was it? It was the Ernie Davis story, uh, the, the Express, Express. That was, that's my favorite. One. Yeah, be like
3: favorite. Chase. Why are you smiling? That's- oh, you think football's fun, <laughs> huh? <laughs> not not anymore, huh? Not anymore.
1: <laughs>
2: nah, it, him, him and Samuel L. Jackson, the two best fictional coaches. Hey, you know, ain't they mean. bad?
1: That's right. That's right. That's
3: right. <laughs> oh, that's classic. Chase what you what you got what you got on the uh, on the playlist what, g- g- give me your give me your top three or top five songs you rocking you, you, rockin', you
2: listening to yeah so let me check lately lately I, I've been getting back into the old ones the Super Bowl show got me listening to that get and by trying to help okay mm-hmm. it's, just it's, it's all bangers but honestly I listen to a lot of my own stuff uh, I make beats so uh yeah, I'll have, so have to sing my sound factor. So I'll make a beat and then uh, I'll put an acapella over it. So my last beat, I took I took that off the grid, off of the Kanye album, and I took the acapella and I put it on the one of my own beats. Yeah. So like a lot of time I'll do you my own know, stuff. I
3: seen, yeah. I, I, seen, I seen it on his Instagram page, Will. He 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 he, he yeah. was making right. some beats, and he talking about he like melodies and all this stuff. Like this dude, this dude <laughs> gonna be a he gonna be a music producer, will
1: he? he like a Renaissance Everything. man. Hey, listen, <laughs> he got he got hey, he a man of faith. He got four streams coming to him, man. He know where yeah. all the rivers come from, man. Yeah. He pointed in. Yeah. Yeah. Since yeah. you said that, though, since you play the violin, have you ever yeah. used the violin with one of your raps? <laughs> Threw it to a beat.
2: I need to and so right now, yeah, I got this too right here. Like before I before I hopped on here, I was actually making it. So I got this. Okay. That's that's sort of what I what I playing. But I need to I need to get a violin to it.
3: Is that a and drum actually,
2: machine? Yeah, so it's got the it's got the drum machine, that it has on, okay. on it, but you can also play keys. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's it's like the producer started yeah. Is what people start out with. That's what's up. But uh Here's
1: yeah. the real question though. You selling those beats. That's the real question.
2: Nah, not yet. <laughs> nah, yet. Yeah. I, like, I like sampling. So selling would be selling would be tough for me because I have no way of clearing. Samples.
1: samples, right?
2: Yeah, I like sampling.
1: I hear that. I hear that, man. Right. Wow. Wow. Well, listen, man, thank you for doing halftime with us. What we going to jump through, man, is now the university football, the present time. You at UCLA, man. Talk to us about, you know, you you did a little bit earlier about your commitment going there and how, you know, Chip Kelly gave you that phone call. But talk about when you first got on that campus. What was that like?
2: It's, It's otherworldly how beautiful it is. And every time I go home or I go somewhere else for a break and then come back, it always just hits me again. Like, man, UCLA really is one of the prettiest places on earth. It's, it's a huge blessing, and now that my living situation is the best it's been since I've been here. Since I got to grad housing, mm-hmm. uh, it just makes it you know in the park. But you know those first days walking to class, were really off the chain. Yeah.
1: So 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 talk about that because he 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 talking, but he ain't talking. Aj. Yeah, it's, yeah it's I mean. the, so, you gotta, so so you got to go under the words. Right. What you saying?
3: You got to go right. under no, the I words. Mean, no, no
2: <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. That was. That was new, you know. When you get to UCLA, the the, the selection as far as girls is just off the chain. <laughs> and it's so many, you know. That 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 was uh, a huge thing, eye-opening, probably just as it is for most people. Right. You no, know, I got a girl now, so so I'll, I'll, I'm settled for that. He won't, him won't talk
1: too much about that now. AJ. I, 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 I,
3: I Well, well you, I mean, you can, I mean, you can, I mean, you can still for the podcast. I mean, I mean, you can, I mean, you can still talk about how it was when you got there before you had a girlfriend. That's you know, my right, head, AG, right. was on a swivel. I used to go to the yard okay. and just people watch. You know how people go bird watching, AG? I, I go people watching. Yeah.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs>
2: that's right. <laughs>
1: that's too dope, man.
2: Chase, you got to give us some. It's a completely different world from high school, yeah, and, and it's probably like that at most places. Uh-huh. But you know, at UCLA, especially the city of yeah. LA, is so predicated on how you look and yep. all that. Where it, that it was just it was crazy once you first got here. You know, you seventeen, eighteen, first first time away from home, first time away from college. You know, you. Yeah, I
1: already right. know you. Yeah, saying. I'm. I'm a. am I'm am I'm gonna help you out. I'm gonna help you out. In other words, that's what he's saying. What he say, Will. I didn't know what pretty was until I started really seeing what pretty was all about. That's what he's saying. <laughs> he's like, and, and he's
3: saying, and you can throw the weather in there too. That's what I remember. The weather was that's pretty right. too.
1: <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. The weather made it beautiful out here. Hey, hey, not all them gorgeous women walking past me. Will, he, even go, Will, he,
3: even, he even go so far to say, even the classrooms, the classwork was pretty.
1: <laughs> I not mean, you like, how you talk all around it? Oh man, in my living situation, oh it's just fantastic, you know. You know, I mean, I could, what he really said in the code is every time I open up my blinds, I see him walking past my window. That would, I, you, got, you got to catch the stuff, man. But, but, man, we want to keep it moving. So, beautiful campus, you loving it. What I, what I want to know, and, and I think a lot of our, our listeners want to know, man, what was that biggest difference that you noticed in the shift from high school to college football?
2: I think it's not being home, uh, when, when you get in high school, no matter how the day goes, you get to come mm-hmm. home. You know, I, I was blessed to have both mother and father who I knew, you know, I could talk to a mother who's probably the sweetest person I've ever known, ever will know. Mm-hmm. And she, she's unique in that sense. She's a teacher, mm-hmm. and uh, to, to be able to have that in your house every single time, you know, good, bad, or ugly, uh, is a huge reset each day. You never feel like everything's going bad or everything's cr- crashing down. You never feel like that. Um, I had to adjust coming here because I, when I first got to UCLA, I was injured. Mm. And so I couldn't really throw. I injured my, my wrist in my last football game. and I couldn't throw. I was rehabbing every day, which is a super struggle for all the athletes who have been hurt mm-hmm. before. And then I was going to class. And... Uh, you had to work on managing your time, uh, that seeing the people around you get lost in the sauce, get caught up in hell mm-hmm. get caught up in the, their first years at college. Yep. Uh, and, it, and you got to have the discernment to be like, man, that looks fun, but it's not really yep. out. uh And nah, learn how to say no, and learn how to focus on what you got to get yep. done. And uh, I think the, those are the first steps to become an adult, because no one's there to remind you. You have to remind yourself mm-hmm. who you are. You have to remind yourself what you've got to accomplish each and every day. And uh, you know the colleges, they try to provide support. Uh, we have excellent academic counseling here, but the academics was really never my issue. Uh, and I, I wouldn't really say I had an mm-hmm. issue, but the main thing that I had to figure out to keep me on track was being able to see the wins and being able to stay positive and stay focused on my yep. goals. Yeah, I mean,
3: it's crazy when you read, when you, you got a red shirt a year, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. uh, me and Will was talking about this with his son up at, uh, Houston Baptist, you know, he's, 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 okay. he red shirt in his first year and he's sitting out and me and Will was talking about, you have so much time on your hand when you're mm-hmm. not playing. You know, you you're not traveling with the you know to the games or you know you you right. have that and like you said you can get caught up. One of your best friends could be on the team and he he can be so up and wild and like, hey man, come on, let's go to this party. The 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 the, right. the Greeks the Greeks throwing a party here and the all girl right. fraternity throwing a party there. You're like, mm, right. no dog. Maybe I I I can't do all that. I'm, maybe you here for another reason than why I'm here. You know what I'm saying? And so right. me, me and Will was talking right. about how he talked to his son about how to just, ma- how to time manage everything.
1: How did, how did you handle that? I mean, you were, you know, obviously it gave you enough time to, matter of fact, man, mm-hmm. I got a double question for you. One, how, how did you, um, cause you went to UCLA before you graduated. I mean, you graduated, but you didn't graduate with your with your class per se, right? So how does how does that work? That's my first question because
2: right. I see a yeah, lot of so football
1: players do that. I had
2: to I had to double up on classes that first semester of senior year, so I knocked out all my all my uh, requirements to get my high school diploma that fresh that that uh, senior first semester, and I didn't wow. go to high school my second semester. When I would be going the second semester, I was you starting like- UCLA mid year. That is, well, that
1: is crazy. Like, what is, what, is, what is that day like? I mean, you're doubling on classes. What, what does that look like?
2: Yeah, uh, it wasn't actually too bad just because I had already taken so many advanced classes going through mm. high school. So all I had to do was take really one more extra class. Wow. Uh, I just had to take, you know, two requirement classes. Uh, that's and I
3: was done. Well, he said, well, academics were never his issue. No problem. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I got a 4.0, 4. <laughs> 4. man. I got, oh, I got to take an extra class. Uh, oh, okay. All right. That's no problem.
1: Right. Hold, hold, hold on, AG. He ain't have a 4.0. He had a 4.69. nine. Four point six 4.69. So he was, he was on that 5.0 scale. Damn. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he's on a different scale. We was on the 4.0 like, scale. Sir, you know? Like, sir, you know, like, you, you, your, your grade point average
3: looks so good. We already know that you are getting a 32 on the ACT. So you don't yes, even sir. have to take
1: it. Yeah. Just come on out to school. Yeah, I, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, this is crazy. So, man, listen, you've you, you been at school. Two and a half years now, you graduated, yeah. but you're working on your master's. First of all, what's your master's degree in?
2: So it's that transformative coaching and leadership program with the School of Education. Mm. Wow! So it, it'll be a, it'll be an Okay.
1: And what, what's 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 the goal?
2: So that was a it's a program that a lot of the athletes go into, uh, but for myself, I think I'll use it for speaking. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of leadership. Uh, and philosophical studies in that where we'll study coaches where we'll study leaders and how they got people to be their best selves and it's taught by UCLA greats like we have Val Condosfield, who's known as the best collegiate gymnast uh, coach of all mm-hmm. time you know, we got Sue Enquist who built up the UCLA softball program from the start uh, so I mean you have people in there who won national championships teaching you every mm-hmm. day and they are also boons, so they know what it means to be at UCLA and to be from UCLA. It's, it's a great program.
3: Do, do you still have that engineering bug in you?
2: Not really. <laughs> uh, I think that creative side really gets taken up in the music oh, yeah? at this point. Okay. Yeah. But I will say that I learned uh, the other side of it in my public affairs major, where we use data and we use infrastructure. Mm. We create playbooks based off what's available to help the maximum amount of people. wow
0: fucking amazing
1: you know man, we almost forgot this question, but i got I gotta get it in now, Whew, cause this is a biggie. How was it when you first walked into that locker room and you saw your jersey right
2: man, it was it was very special, and I was excited, I knew I wasn't playing that first game, but uh just to be able to put it on and warm ups, I don't think anyone was going as hard as me. Uh I remember, just just a year before, I was having one of the best seasons in Texas high school mm-hmm. history. So, you know, I was I was still ready to go. If I had to play that game, I would have played and I would have played well. Wow. Uh, but I was just I was so excited. Um, it was really the manifestation of all the, all the years and all the days mm-hmm. and efforts, not just for myself, but for my family and all those who poured into me and had this similar vision to me and to have it come mm-hmm. true. Uh, not only did it feel like an accomplishment, it felt like, all right, there's a pathway
3: to what's next. Now, on that jersey, did 11 choose you or you chose 11?
2: No, nah, I, I think it was both. From, from the minute I started playing football, I was 11. Mm. It was just the, was the number I like. It was the number that stuck out to me. And i uh, been rocking it for over a decade now, I guess. All right.
1: <laughs> really? No no inspiration behind that? No other player? War Not 11?
2: Really. Not really. It was, it was really just,
3: I like the number. All right. Well, I'm calling UCLA Bookstore, and I'm ordering me a Chase Griffin quarterback number 11 jersey, and I want the white one. Yes, sir. That's, That's right. what I'm going to do. Right. That's what I'm going to do. That's, and I would say, hey, you make sure this jersey money go right to Chase account, okay? I appreciate it.
1: Appreciate <laughs> that. hey, hey, that's, hey, that's right. <laughs> you got to worry about that. Chase, Chase already got his bank account hooked up for right, that. Right, right. <laughs> it already go right to him. Hey, Chase. How, yeah, <laughs> I mean, part, jumping into that, the the uh, me and Will
3: want to jump into that on the NIL and the sponsorships and stuff. But explain right. to our, explain to us and our viewers now how how does that work if a college uh like u c l a wants to sell your is selling your jersey? How does that work
2: right right so jersey sales are a little bit tricky um i'm not sure I'm not sure if players are making revenue i know it opened the door for that, but I'm not sure if players are making revenue off of jerseys just because I think schools don't put our names on okay them. Mm-hmm. so it's still they're getting the way of selling. Mm the jersey without giving us a piece of it. But I think eventually it'll build up to that where a school starts selling jerseys with our name on it. They get a piece, we get a yeah. piece. Which would which be, would be great. great. Yep, you're absolutely right.
1: Break, break down the NIL because I think a lot of people say it. They don't know what it means, let right. alone, right. which by the way stands for name, image, and likeness. Mm-hmm. Right. How, how does that work?
2: Right, so it actually came to fruition because of Ed O'Bannon, who's a UCLA yep. great. Naismith player of the year, national champion. But he sued the NCAA when they were using his likeness in the uh, video game that EA Sports yep. makes. And uh, he sued. They ended up having to discontinue the franchise. And he got a lot of hate for it. You know, there were a lot of people hating it up because they liked the video game. but They just didn't see what was really the issue. And eventually, uh, you know, this past year, Uh, The NCAA's restrictions on it were struck down by the Supreme Court. And Justice Kavanaugh, who's super conservative, said, even he said, it's an equity issue. A lot of these student-athletes who have been making money for all these schools and institutions that profit off of college athletics have been seeing none of it. A lot of these student-athletes come from people of color in historically disenfranchised households, and low-income households and this opportunity to profit off of their own names, like this where they can do a commercial now, mm-hmm. or they can do a post on Instagram and the deal with the company would get paid for it, or they can just run their own YouTube and make money mm-hmm. off of Anything that had us in it before this was passed, we could not make any money off of it. Crazy. And we were the only group on campus that, that couldn't do that. It was us and I I think people in certain certain mm-hmm. so So, we were, we were amongst the only students on campuses that couldn't profit off of our own name and, and it's That's, that's, mm. that is, wow.
3: All those years, man. All those years.
1: They need to backtrack because they owe me and AG a lot <laughs> of money. <laughs> right. No, but I, I remember that with Ed O'Bannon. As a matter of fact, I remember signing the paperwork because that All was right. during our time that, yeah. uh, and I was in agreement with him. I mean, they were... Yeah. And they have been. And I'm grateful, man, that the athletes like you and others are being able to take advantage of the new rule, especially uh, because you get to make some money, you know, and and able to invest and do some other things while you are still learning uh, life and all those things itself. But tell us about, man, your first deal. How did it come about? Talk to us about it.
2: Right. So I say most of my deals come from companies or people who work at companies in those decision spaces, seeing what I'm about on social media. And for the Degree Breaking Limits team, that's what happened. someone uh, who who does advertisement with Unilever, which is just the overall group that uh, that has a bunch of companies, but Degree is one of them. Saw, Saw my profile and asked if I would do it and I was all the way in. Uh, you know, before NIO, I don't think anyone really knew uh, what deals to expect as far as money or even just the deals themselves. Right. And to start off with a deal like that uh, and, and to be able to, you know, give my maximum effort on it, I think has led to other deals. Mm. But I'm very grateful.
3: Man, so we got the, uh, the Believe brand. That's I, I, hey I'm a hey I'm a logo <laughs> head, right? I mean i I was always into clothing, fashion and was about drawing yeah. and stuff like that. I just wanna yeah. applaud you because I love the way you threw that eleven in the believe and you is right. yours. Yeah. Let me see that shirt again. So hold it yeah, up.
2: Right. Yeah, it's right here. It might be backwards,
3: yeah. I don't know. Okay. I know, we see it. We see it. hey and, and give us give us the meaning behind believe.
2: Right. Uh, so, believe you know it has my number. But I consider myself three things: a believer, a winner, and a provider. And that's really what the brand's about. Uh, it's just an external reflection of mm-hmm. me and what I'm about. And uh, you know, came out with some apparel. I'd say the the main uh, or one of the main functions for the Believe brand is it helps facilitate uh, my donations from. The amount of money that I make from NIL helps uh, facilitate the process of me donating to the LA Food Bank. That's all right. There, as far as as far as being a provider, I think it's important to provide not only for yourself and your future family, which I think is very important, but also for those around you who can't provide for themselves. And the LA Food Bank is excellent. So far, we've donated around forty thousand meals to the LA Weekend Backpack Program for kids who have to eat free Mm -hmm. lunch uh, to get them during the week. And so on the weekend, they give them prepacked meals that they don't start. Wow, that is amazing.
1: that's all right there. Amazing. Yeah, it is. Wow. Whew, man. But another question dealing with the the NIL is, um, how is that managed? I mean, in terms of your time with school and then having to do what they request of you.
2: Right. Yeah, so, I mean, on every deal... Um, I, I make the decision, but as far as seeing the deal and stuff like that, my pops is is often the, the point person. And know, he's great. I, I trust him definitely uh, as my father, but I trust him even more in this situation because he's worked in this in the advertisement industry before. So uh, he, he he's an expert as far as you know deals, how to bring the deliverables. And so, if there's a deal that I like, I want to buy him. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, 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 it gets the you know, stamp of approval from him, mm-hmm. right? He, he's not going to say no to something that I like, but he'll give his pros and his cons. And I will mm-hmm. just because, I I haven't really had a time uh, in this where I've ever disagreed with him. That. So, uh, it works great. And then, uh, I only allocate around four to five hours each week on NIL. I try to keep it because uh, you never want to forget the main thing. Uh, like, like when you're in high school, you never want to go around chasing offers and not practice because then you're not getting the offers. Right. So, so it's the same here. Like you don't want to be chasing NIL deals, but you're forgetting to build your name up and do what it really takes for you to build your name up to even maximize that NIL side.
3: Wow. I mean, so it's, I mean, it's really safe to say that you're picking up a lot of business skills, life, I mean, life learning experiences of business skills right now while you're still playing in college. So this will will help you when you say you want to be done with, you know, done with, you want to go to Harvard and maybe get, this will help you walk it right into the door with that, huh?
2: Absolutely, and I'm investing all the money I make. I get a good stipend, especially now as a grad student. Where I'm able to live every month off of that, so I, I haven't even touched any of my, family. all that's getting invested mm. uh, for myself. Having, having that vision uh, came a lot for my parents because uh, neither of them graduated without debt. Yeah. Like, both of them spent a long time paying off their debt. They went to great schools, great institutions, but really expensive, mm-hmm. and it takes a long time. To pay that wow. For me to be in a position where I have zero debt, nothing to pay off, because of the scholarship, uh, I recognize that blessing. In, in order to make the most yeah. of it, I try to invest everything that I can. Uh, that way, once I'm done with college and you know, going, you know, the work side, going to the real world, I have a little boots. Yeah. Um, as far as. Others, I think it's important that these financial institutions that made all of these promises, especially after the murder of George Floyd, to help black communities Mm -hmm. uh, to to put their money where their mouth is and their expertise to enter into these fields where a lot of these college athletes, like y'all have experienced it, a lot of these college athletes are the only kids and their families are the only kids in their towns that have the chance to graduate from Mm -hmm. college. Going to be the only ones who are able to achieve and, and find stable jobs, and and for for these for these kids while they're still student athletes in college, it's important for these financial institutions to teach them the right habits. Because of course, there's going to be kids who go pro. They need they need financial institutions. They need budgeting. They need this this right. and that. But there's also kids who are just going to get their degrees and they're going to work for a long time, have steady paying jobs, have families. And homes, they need to learn those skills
3: early yeah. too. Seems like you took a page out of Gronk's book. You know, you know yeah. Gronk, they say Gronk don't even spend his NFL money, say he live off his endorsement Gronk- money, right. Well, Gronkowski.
2: I mean, Shaq, that, did, Shaq did the same you, thing. Right. The key is get to a place where you, 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 you can, can do, do that. that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Most people can't afford to put their other They're, paycheck right. away because the other paycheck <laughs> pays for enough. Speak, speaking of
1: the, the athletes, man, I want to ask you, too, just about the NIL space. Do the universities help with educating the athletes? Or in this industry, are the student-athlete really just kind of, if you not have, like, if they don't have a dad there no. or somebody in their corner, right. are they just driving blind right now? Right. Right.
2: Well, I mean, I'd say for the most part, most people don't have someone like my father around them. to to give them advice, definitely not someone familiar, maybe there's an agency or something like that, that approaches, but with that brings in a whole nother world of of complications. So I think just to keep it simple, and there's nothing wrong with signing with the agent, it just adds another layer. Uh, As far as the financial institutions that can provide uh, accessible and and for the student athletes free education, I think it's important that they step in to deliver on their promises. And also it, cultivi- it cultivates relationships because the first people that get into the field uh, are gonna you know, have lifetime customers and in- in- banking relationships with these students. Yep. yep. That's good stuff there, man. Yeah. That is good stuff there.
1: Well, listen, man, we, uh, we've taken up so much of your time. Uh, but I have a final question for you, and then A.G. has a final question for you. And my question for you is, um, it being Black History Month, and I've heard your passion, you know, particularly for the African-American community and institutions, whether it's educational institutions, financial institutions, uh, doing what they need to do, what uh, whether the current or uh, historical figure? That you draw inspiration from,
2: right.
1: um, whether you didn't even know. Like for me, I didn't know how much I appreciated Chadwick Bozeman till he passed. Right. I was like, man, that dude is amazing. So, right. what what figure, African American figure, do you draw inspiration from?
2: Right, I think uh, there's a bunch, and especially as a UCLA Bruin, there's multiple. But there, I think there's one who really stands out and that's, that's really Jackie Robinson mm. and, and what he epitomized. He, uh, at UCLA, started a long line and a lineage of Black athletes changing the world through their athletic and academic careers, starting in Westwood. Mm-hmm. To be at the same university that he was at, where... I don't think he's completely appreciated as she, he should be, where not only did he accomplish so many things, but you go into the autobiographies, of these athletes that that came, you know, 20, 30 years later and were in the prime during the civil rights movement, they look back at Jackie Robinson like, yeah, that was a mentor. Mm. And even some of the who, who who, their views clashed against Jackie's a little bit just because, you know, of different ages, mm-hmm. um, they still respect him and see him as someone that made it possible for other athletes. Gotcha. So I think you always got to go back to the original. And he really integrated sports and, and led, in my opinion, I think sports uh, reflect what society is turning into. So I think <laughs> that in, in his integration of sports, he helped aid in the integration of this country as a whole. And he made baseball better. He made sports better. And I believe, as a whole, he made this nation better. Yeah. So I, of most respect—he's uh, the ultimate Berman in my eyes, both on and off the off the ballpark—and uh, to to be able to carry that mantle yeah. and be at the same university and wear the same jerseys that he did is a huge blessing. That's real talk, there. I, I you know what I think,
3: Will. I, I mean, I, I think Jackie Robinson was. I think he had part Martin Luther King ways in him, and he had Malcolm X in him. Because if you really dive into the Jackie Robinson story, everyone tries to paint him this picture like he he never got angry or he never fought back, and and, and that's and that's wrong. He did, but he did yeah. it so right. intelligently, and wow. and 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 with his. Just with his conviction uh, of the way he was, right. I think he came across showing those those two strengths of those two men.
2: Yeah. You know, he had weakness. He, he was so undeniable, both as a player, but most importantly as a person. Yeah. That there's few others who could have been in position and could have succeeded the way that he yep. did ever. I mean, it, it's really
1: you know who I always, uh, which by the way, uh, Chadwick Boseman played him. Yeah, right, yeah In the Jack, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the Jackie Robinson story. Yeah, yeah. I,
3: um, yeah. I I love to hear Spike Lee talk about Satchel Page, and you know yeah. Jackie Robinson during that time, and how Satchel Page, yeah. you know, he was just you know, he was like the you know Jackie had the, the hood and the suburban in him, but. Satch was like that, the hood, the hood guy. And they was like, well, we got Jackie already. We'll wait on you, Satchel Paige, to you. But they eventually came around to Satchel Paige and giving him his due and all that. But just two great men, right. man. I, I love that you even spoke on them. Uh, this, this our last question for you, man. And we usually say, you know, what's the, I want to ask you, what's the next chapter in Chase Griffin's hoop dream? But I'm going to say it like this. What's the next chapter in Chase Griffin's
2: football hoop dream? So, on the football side, um, it's really all about when I'm in there winning games. So, this offseason, uh, I'm getting back to the basics and focusing on you know, accuracy, paint their faces mm-hmm. with the ball, and uh, getting stronger, faster and hard in the weight room. So on the physical side, I'm taking care of that. On the mental side, staying sharp through visualization, mm-hmm. which is huge mm-hmm. for me. And then outside of that, as far as the NIL space, it's, it's really finding ways to not only progress with my NIL journey, but find ways to pay it forward and give back. I'm the 1st f- cohort of student-athletes to have this opportunity and yep. the way we accomplish and the way we work with brands now can set the market for years to come. That's right. I don't take that lightly. I a lot of the people around me don't take that lightly and they're trying to build a better future for uh, you know, athletes in college.
3: A fellow on the bell-
4: I'm the gold of my era. I've been a trending topic. I'm as fly as a feather. My pocket's macroscopic. See, with time I get better. I'm always in the action, kid. Know I got it locked from Chicago with yeah, the toughest lid. Concrete jungle earned my stripes on the pavement there. You make it here, then you can make it anywhere. No comparison. Your game is embarrassing. No one can touch me. I'm all for going there again. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate more faith think i'm ballin like i'm martha ag i'm box office in one day they gonna have to pay me yeah i think i'm ballin like i'm will gates i'm hoop dreaming trying to fight against a seal fate more faith think i'm ballin like i'm martha ag i'm box office in one day know. they gonna have to pay
0: me. hoop dreams the podcast and unlearning
3: network production written and produced by arthur ag will gates matt hoffer with audio engineering from matt savage for more episodes, check us out at www.unlearningnetwork.com.
4: Gotta be a dog to survive in this cold weather. Ice in my veins, no need for a warm sweater. I'm coming forward, all best believe I won't let up, yeah. Hey, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a seal of fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates I'm hoop dreamin', tryin' to fight against a seal fate More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me